We're continuing on with our series tonight, Carriers, Carriers of Hope, Carriers of Jesus. You know, and it's been a been a, a series through Mark, and we're only still in chapter one of Mark, but it's again and again we see there's a there's a declaration that Mark wants wants us to know about, a declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also along with that, there, there is a demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a declaration of the good news of Jesus, and there's a demonstration of the good news. And tonight we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 1 and verse um, verse 35 to 45. My love, in the car, can you? It's still in the front seat. So in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse uh, 35, to 45. Now, we looked at verse 35 last week, but we're going to be looking at it again tonight. Um, and um, the title for tonight's message is Going to Be Told Soon. All right, so New Living Translation, Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I'll preach to them too. That is why I came. I don't know what you came for, but that is why Jesus came. I know why Sonia's here. I know why I'm here. That's why Jesus came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in secluded places. But people from everywhere kept coming to him. He had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. We thank you that he had something to say to the world. He didn't just have something to say to 
followers of him, but to everyone, to the world. And his message is still relevant today. And Father, we also praise you and thank you that it wasn't just a message, but he demonstrated that message. He lived a life that backed up what he spoke about, what he taught. The truth of what he taught was evident in how he lived. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this message tonight, Lord Jesus, that you would remind us of how we fit into your story here, Lord. What can we learn from you in this situation? How can we benefit from what you said and what you did? We pray your Holy Spirit would just fill us right now, wherever we are, in our lounge rooms, in our offices, in our cars, wherever we are right now. Fill us, Lord, now, we pray, and guide us as we open your word tonight and allow you to speak to us and teach us. Amen. Well, the message title tonight is called Isolated. Any Victorians feeling isolated? Mm -hmm. I know there is different levels of isolation. Uh, we were just having a chat earlier before church started and, and uh, I was talking to my parents and uh, they live in Queensland and, and, and their isolation restrictions are very different to the ones we have here. And, and uh, although we would love to be able to connect with them physically, we can't. We're not allowed to. It's illegal. But we can always talk over the phone or, or FaceTime them over the phone. And, and uh, it's great to do that, isn't it, with, with the, the ones you love? But I wonder if anyone's feeling isolated tonight. You know, even with seven of us under this house, under this roof, we can be isolated from others. But I wonder if there's people at home on their own. I know there are. And they can't, they don't, they're isolated from others. Tonight's message is isolated. It's, a, it's isolated. Are you feeling isolated? It starts off, this, this reading starts off with Jesus in an isolated place. He's isolated from his disciples. You know, we looked at it last week and, and uh, he's just finished this amazing day, day one of his ministry pretty much and with the disciples. And he's healed lots of people at the front of Peter's home. And, you know, it's, and, it's, and just after the Sabbath, people have brought all their loved ones and family members. And, and uh, you know, he woke up the next day, it says, and he went away to uh, an isolated place. It goes like this in verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up. While it was still dark, the next morning, Jesus got up. I wonder if Mark is, is trying to get us to realize something else here in this story, just by saying that in the next day, before it was dark, uh, sorry, before it was before it was morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. You know, it was the Sabbath day before Jesus got up early. It was the Sabbath day before Jesus got up early. It was the Sabbath day before Jesus got up. Is anyone tonight realizing what Mark might be trying to tell us. It's difficult without you guys in the room, but does anyone realize what's going on here? Mark is trying to tell us that God knows the end of this story. God knows that there's an empty grave at the end of this story. 
that God knows that death is not the end. There's, there's resurrection life. And very early, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. Brand new resurrected body. Sin and shame, yours and mine, dealt with on the cross. The Holy One of God could not stay dead. Couldn't hold him. <coughs> God knows the end of the story. God knows the end of your story and my story. And I feel like Mark's trying to remind us here of this very fact that, you know what, we're going to go through the rest of this Gospel of Mark. But ultimately, the main point is that God wins at the end of the story. You might be feeling in a dark place right now. You might be feeling like throwing in the towel. You might be feeling totally isolated and you don't know how to take the next step forward. Know this. God knows the end of the story. God knows how it's going to work out for you. After the Sabbath, while it was still dark, very early in the morning, Jesus got up. God knows how this ends, people. God knows when it ends. He knows how it ends. And he is going to be on the throne when it ends. And, and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Verse 36, later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. It's important that in this time of isolation that we have here in, uh, in, in the world, we find ourselves losing what was normal. The routines have, have gone. We've had to find new routines. I encourage you in this moment of isolation, spend time with Jesus. Make sure that you can factor in a time where you can get up before it's dark. I know it's difficult. I, I reckon the stats are pretty high for people sleeping in in the midst of this pandemic because our routines are all gone. But get up early. Even Jesus spent time with Jesus. It's important that we spend time with God. It's important that we, we factor in a moment before anything else happens in your day to spend time with God. I know I can look back at my life and see those days where, you know, they were tough days, they were really tough days. And you know what? If I hadn't spent time with God, it would have been even tougher. Jesus was hiding from his disciples. You know, he turned the airplane mode on, on his disciple team. And he walked away from it and he spent time with God. And he had that time of realignment. And he was reminded of when, uh, when you get away, you're reminded of what's really important, what your purpose is, not that popularity is more important. You know, he, he was reminded of, he, 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 was, he, was, he was reminded what really drove him. Was it the forces from outside saying, you're popular, you're popular. Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Or was it the force from within saying, I've got you, I've got a job for you to do. You need to move on to the next town and start, start preaching. It's the difference between popularity and purpose, between fruitfulness and fame, between being noticed and being known by God. It's a time where we can realign, where you can realign what your call is. And Jesus replied to them in verse 38, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Jesus needed alignment to his assignment. 
He needed alignment to his assignment. He needed to recalibrate the call that the father had placed on him. Was it to follow the crowds? Was the miracles, Jesus, the disciples were coming to Jesus and saying, you know, Jesus casting demons out of people, that's bringing the crowds. That's pretty cool. That's amazing stuff. This is working for you, Jesus. You're becoming more popular. Jesus could have heard that, but instead he decided to get alone with the one who knows how this ends. And he got alone with God and he realigned his assignment. That is why I came, says Jesus. We must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. That's why I came. That's why I'm here. That's what I came for. I know what I came for tonight. I came, I came here to worship God. I came here to, to preach. I came here to, to, to hear something from God tonight. What did you come for? What, what did you come for? It's a good question to ask, isn't it, church, when we, when we come to church, even in physical church. Remember, remember physical church like five months ago, six months ago? What, why do you turn up? Why do you turn up? Is it to glorify God and to enjoy him and to love on his kids, his sons and daughters, and to encourage one another? Is it to be entertained? Is it to eat food? Is it to become social? Is it to make more friends? You know, there are lots of different reasons why people come to church. What did you come for? What did you come to this for? Why are you listening to this broadcast? You might be asking yourself that question right now. I don't want to get in the way of what you've, what, why you're here. What did you come for? What's God called you to this place at this time for? And why does he want you to listen to this message? You know, why are you here? I don't know what I came for. I came here to, to glorify God and enjoy him forever and to tell my kids to shh in the background. I came here to praise God. I came here to preach a word which I felt God laid on my heart for people who are hungry to hear that word from God, not hungry to hear what I've got to say, but what God's got to say. What did you come for? Because Jesus is the only one in the group of his disciples and everyone around him where he's kind of the only one who is in touch with why he's there, why he came. He came to preach. He came, he came to seek and save the lost. He came as a servant, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to earth to be one of us because we can't be perfect at it and we have to be perfect at it to get to heaven. And he, he was the one and only one who was perfect at it and made a way, in fact, the way for all human beings to get to heaven. That's why he came. He was so pinpointed on the call that God had put on his heart, on his life. Why did you come? Verse 39, he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons, preaching in the synagogues, casting out demons, preaching in the synagogues, casting out demons. Wherever the, the message of the gospel is declared, there will always be the power of God present to, to do amazing miracles, to heal people. Not for, not for show, not for popularity contests, 
Not that so one church can say, "Wow, well, our church is doing these sorts of things. It's amazing." It's because it's the truth in the scriptures that whenever the gospel of Jesus Christ is declared, signs and wonders will follow in some form or another. And it's wonderful to hear in our church, in our churches, people being being blessed in different ways, not just knowing more about Jesus and the gospel, but living more victoriously and, and seeing those shackles come off and seeing those walls come down and living lives that are free from fear and anxiety and worry and, and guilt and shame. It's wonderful to see that. See, those sorts of things should come. There must be the preaching, but there also must be the casting out of the demons. Those signs that accompany the gospel. So that's why Jesus came. He came to do that. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Jesus said, this is what I came to do. He said to his disciples, this is what I've come to do. This is why I'm here. And then a man with leprosy came to Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, this is why I've come. Let's go. This is what we're going to do. And then a man with leprosy came to Jesus. Did Jesus come to the man or did the man come to Jesus? Did Jesus come to the man or did the man come to Jesus? Here we see a picture of the Son of God on earth declaring what was already done at Bethlehem. That's why Jesus came. He came as a baby to be one of us because we're the ones with the issues. We're the lepers. We're the ones who are unclean. And he came to us. You know, Jesus, he talked to his disciples once and he said, I didn't, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You know, it's that wonderful Wonderful like, conversation that we have with a, with a lot of Christians sometimes. You know, did you choose to follow Jesus or did he choose to heal you? Which comes first, you know, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> it's wonderful to know that it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not by yourself. It's a gift of God. And God's graciousness sends Jesus on his mission. And at the same time, God's graciousness is sending this unclean man with leprosy towards the Saviour who can heal him. We know very little about this guy, except that he has leprosy. We know very little about him at all, except that what his issue is, what sets him apart as unclean. He's a man with leprosy. We don't know how long he's had leprosy for. We don't know how many children he has, if he has a family. If he's a grandfather, we're not sure what sort of history this guy has. We're not sure if he used to be rich or he used to be poor. We're not sure when the last time was that he saw his wife's face or kissed his wife's lips. We're not told these stories about this man with this issue. But what we are told is that he has an issue. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him knelt down at his feet in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Have you ever been identified by your issues? 
I know my children in my lounge room are about to be identified by their issues by their mother soon. Have you ever been identified by what issues you have? Or have you ever identified others <coughs> by their issues, by their problems, by their sins, by their misfortunes, by the way they look, by the way they dress, by the way they don't look, by the way they don't dress, <laughs> by the way they speak? Have you ever been labelled because of your issues? It's not very fun. In fact, it's it's lonely. It's lonely. You know, kids in school, it's, it's one of those things with bullying is that the bullying actually picks on the issues that a child possibly already has um, uh, uh, uncomfortable feelings about, you know, and that can be an isolated, an isolating place for that particular child. It can be isolating to be labeled by your issues. You can feel isolated. And you know what? You don't have to feel isolated. Um, you, you don't have to, you can always be isolated in a, in a crowd. You don't have to be on your own to be isolated. You can be in the middle of a crowd and still have those issues and people can still put their labels on you and, and call you, oh, there's, that, there's that guy that did that back then. There's that woman who did that back then. Oh, it's isolating to be labeled by your issues. And here's this man, he has leprosy and he is isolated. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus, in uh, chapter 13 of Leviticus, the, the Jewish laws, the Levitical laws, uh, are there for anyone with skin diseases, you know, and, and at the moment we're in a pandemic where uh, some people unfortunately have this coronavirus and we need to isolate them and quarantine them and, and, and care for them and, and make them better but because if, if they get out into society, they can infect everyone else who doesn't have it with what they have knowingly or unknowingly wisely or unwisely it's an isolating place to have an issue and to be labeled by it and he comes up to jesus and he begs him and he says to jesus if you are willing you can heal me and make me clean if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He comes up to Jesus. Now, ideally, his role is to proclaim from a long distance away, unclean, unclean, at least two times. He is the one who's supposed to be declaring his issues in society so that those that didn't have leprosy, those who were clean, wouldn't become unclean. And the idea was that this, this person with leprosy was to live, they could live with other people with leprosy, but they had to be all outside in a special camp, outside the walls of society, outside the walls of family, away from everyone else isolated 
in a lonely place, all together with the same issue. And if anyone clean was to come by, they would all have to call out unclean, unclean, so that the person was warned. And in fact, they had to wear clothing that was all ripped up and they had to visibly look unclean for the protection of all of those others that were clean. It must have been a lonely place. I wonder if his family stopped visiting after some time and thought, you know what, this is a waste of time. This is pointless. We can't hug him. I can't hug my dad. I can't hug my wife. I can't hug my daughter. And it would have been lonely. And here he is taking a very big risk coming to Jesus, a rabbi, a Jewish man of all Jewish men. And Jesus would have been well within his rights to pick up the nearest stones and start throwing them at this man with leprosy, stoning him to death. It was a very big risk for this man to come to Jesus. He had to let go of his pride. He had to let go of what other people thought about him. He had to let go of the the possibility that, that Jesus might throw stones at him. And the unclean comes to the clean. Lepers needed to isolate themselves from society. Leprosy starts off as a spot that you can hide, but eventually, unclean, unclean. I don't know if you ever tried to hide your leprosy before. It's a bit of an image of sin, really, if you didn't realize that already. We can hide our spots. I remember as a child growing up in high school, I had a skin condition on my feet. It's pretty gross to preach about it, but I couldn't think of any other illustration. And I used to be embarrassed about that. I used to hide it. I don't have it now anymore, which is good. But I used to try and hide it. And eventually it got so bad that I had to go and see a doctor and then they gave me special medication and, and it went away. It's fine. No dramas at all. But we try and do that with sin especially in times of stress and times where we're out of control. Sometimes it's easy for us to fall into temptation and get back into our old habits. Whatever felt good, whatever no one saw, you know, we, we, we start turning our back on God for whatever reason and we start doing our own thing and we hide it from others. We hide it. But eventually that spot gets bigger and bigger and and eventually it affects everything in our lives until one day you are isolated, isolated from society or isolated from your loved ones, caught in the grit, in the grasp of of an addiction or or a problem that just won't go away, a bad habit, and not only isolated from all of those loved ones, but isolated from a relationship with God. And ultimately, without Jesus Christ, all of us are isolated from a relationship with God. We're all isolated from God. There's no way we can be clean without the help of Jesus. And here the unclean comes to the clean. I can relate to the leper. The spots, though, are on the inside, not on the outside. We're very good, aren't we, Christians, at hiding our spots but they're on the inside. Sins, 
bad habits, past failures, past regrets, guilt, shame. What if we wrote all of your sins on our notifications? I'll just get everyone, please, just write down all of your sins. Let us know what they are. You wouldn't do it. No one would want to do it. And I don't encourage you to do it. I was just kidding. But imagine if that was to happen. Imagine if I was to show you a video of all of the things that I tried to hide from other people in my life, but I'm not proud of. You would not be hearing my voice anymore. I would be out the door. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be ashamed. I'd be in tears. <coughs> it must have been lonely for the leper to be isolated. Isolation, people, is not a new thing. Here it is in the Bible. But in verse 41, we see a God who is moved with compassion. In fact, some manuscripts say that he was moved with anger. He was moved. God was moved by the state of this unclean man. Not that the man made him angry, but his condition made him angry. And God was so moved and so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God was so angry with the sin issue that was causing every human isolation from him that he stepped down and he became one of us and he did something about it. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched the man. He touched him. He... That is, that is taboo, even for a rabbi. To touch the unclean leper meant that Jesus would have to isolate himself with the leper colony until the priests would be able to figure out if Jesus had in, in fact been infected with the same thing that this leper was infected with. He touched this man. He touched him because he was touched with compassion. The Greek word is splangnitsomahi. Splangnitsomahi, and it means an inward part feeling, especially the nobler entrails, the heart, the liver, the lungs, and the kidneys. It was a, his guts churned within him with, with love for this man and the condition that he was in. He showed compassion, not just with his feelings and his emotions, but he actually reached out and touched the man. In Luke's gospel, we see the same word used in the prodigal son parable. Let me read it for you. In verse 20 of Luke 15, verse 20. So he returned, the prodigal son, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. God is not embarrassed to come and embrace and touch people that are unclean, that are willing to reach out and ask him to help them. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched the man. Purity reached out and touched impurity. Holiness reached out towards helplessness. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. And this leper came believing in him. And Jesus said in response, I am willing, be healed. Normally, the unclean infects the clean. Normally, the leper who touched you would be, would be still unclean, but you would then become unclean. When a leper touched you, you were to become isolated like him or her. But the clean reaches out and touched the unclean. The infected reaches out. And instead of infecting the clean, the clean infects the unclean. The clean reaches out and touches the unclean and infected the unclean with clean. The Lord said, I will. Jesus walked away from that scenario not with leprosy, but with the strong sense of his calling on his mission that he was going to come and one day walk out of an empty grave. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 goes like this. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. The Lord said, I will. Bring me your issue and I will set you free. This is a message for the seasoned believer as well. May we never come to a place where we don't need Jesus' touch. Jesus says, I will set you free. Bring me your issue. Bring it. Instantly, it says in verse 42, instantly the leprosy left, uh, disappeared. The leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Amazing that his issue no longer defined him. He was now free. He was now no longer a leper. Gone. Disease. Gone. Loneliness. Gone. Labels. Gone. Loss. Gone. Healed. Free. Instantly. And then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. This is where it gets interesting because you would think that the leper would do what Jesus says. And this is what he says. Jesus says, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. You know, along with Leviticus 13, if, you, if you're interested, look it up. There's all the laws in there. Leviticus 13. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. And that's in Leviticus 14. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. 
It will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed and also a public testimony that Jesus remains not a leper. <laughs> well, we all know at the end of the story, though, Jesus did not get leprosy. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds surrounded Jesus, uh, soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. And he had to stay out in secluded places. But people from everywhere kept coming to Jesus. You know, here is Jesus. He, he, he gives the man a strict warning. He says, don't, don't go anywhere until you go see the priests first as a testimony to your cleansing. But instead, this man just disobeys Jesus. It's like he takes the grace of God and he just throws it on the ground. He just wants to get on with his life. But even still, the lesson we can learn from this is that Jesus ended up in an isolated place, in a secluded place, out in the wilderness. He wasn't able to come into the towns anymore. He wasn't able to get into in the social realm anymore because he was secluded. The lesson we can learn from here is that even still, Jesus is willing to take our place. This man began this passage isolated. And Jesus finishes it isolated. Jesus takes our place. He was happy to swap places with you on the cross willingly because he was the only one who could swap places with you in the grave so that you can know what it means to be free from isolation. You can know what it means to be free from being isolated with God. You can be in relationship with God because he reached out and touched the world. He knows what it's like to be an outcast, to be alone, to feel on the outside, but he always had the Father with him. If you feel on the outside with God right now tonight, if you feel isolated, then know this tonight, that Jesus has already taken your place on the cross. The unclean has been touched by the clean. The unclean has been infected by the clean so that we can stand before God holy and blameless in his presence without a single fault. Not outside, because on the outside, we still have our faults. It's an inside job. We can stand before God holy and blameless and without a single fault on the inside because of what Christ did for us. And in the meantime, on the outside, we deal with the issues. We keep bringing the issues to Jesus. We keep coming to him, even in those isolated places, in that isolation feeling that we have. And we come to him and say, Jesus, we believe you're God. We believe you're stronger than this issue that I've got. Can you please cleanse me from it and send me away healed and whole? It's God in you. It's God through you. And it's God for you. Come to Jesus tonight. If, if you haven't already, I encourage you, just come to him. Warts and all, leprosy and all, sin and all, all of the issues. He has he's heard it all. He knows it all. He just wants to heal you. He's already coming for you. He's already on his way because that's why he came.
Let's pray. <coughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that that's why you came. For us, we are the leper. We are on the outside with God. We are not clean. We are not holy. We're not perfect. We're out of relationship with him apart from you, Lord Jesus. And Jesus, we praise you and thank you that you are the way, that you are the truth, and that you are the life. And we thank you that no, no one comes to the Father except by you. There is no other way. And my prayer, Lord, tonight is that anybody, regardless of what they look like on the outside, right now, tonight, watching this broadcast, that they would be brave enough to come running to you like this man with leprosy, that they would throw aside the, the issues and they would focus on the one who came to seek and save the lost, the one who didn't come to be served like a lot of the gods in this world that we see, but you are the one true God who came to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done in our own lives, what, how you've cleansed us from the inside out by your blood on the cross shed for our sins. And Lord, we know we're not perfect. And so we come to you again tonight, God, with the issues that weigh heavy on our hearts, the spots that we try and hide from others, and we bring them at your feet, we lay them down at your feet, and we say, Jesus, if you're willing, can you please heal? And Lord, we already know the answer to that question, that you are willing, that you were willing, that you laid down your life. And so, Lord, we thank you for that promise that we can stand in tonight, that any any sins, any hidden issues, any weary uh, any heavy burdens on our minds and our hearts tonight, we bring them to you. They're already dealt with on the cross. We say thank you, Jesus, for, for the promise that we can walk away healed and whole because of who you are and what you came <coughs> to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to finish with one last, one last song tonight, and uh, it's a beautiful uh, old song, I think. It's called "Jesus Paid It All," and I really pray that tonight was a blessing for you, and um, or for you know if you're joining us from elsewhere, we welcome you and we thank you that you could join us. I do pray that you're blessed tonight, and that uh, you'll have a fantastic week knowing the wonderful power of Jesus with you each and every moment of the day. We're going to sing with all we've got and thank the Lord for what he's done. And I hear the Saviour say, Dies to
that again. Lord, now indeed. I do pray that you guys are doing well and staying safe and knowing God's presence with you at this time. We trust that this week will bring you wonderful things and knowing that God is with you in it all just brings you uh, through it all to the end. And and what a great reminder to know that no matter what happens, no matter when it finishes, God knows how this ends and he is with you and for you. Sonia and I love you. The kids love you too. We pray for you every day. We hope that you're well. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us.